When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And I've got a semi is it semi-regular or semi-irregular uh, co-pilot on this week, Bill Bender. Bill Bender of the Sporting News, man. Welcome back to the Tim May Show in that co-pilot seat, brother. Hey, perfect timing with it being mid-season. It flies by, as you know. We're already in week eight, and the number of undefeated teams are has trimmed down. And I know we're getting into the first big leg this week. I know when I'm talking to you, it means the big game's around the corner doesn't get much bigger than what we're going to have at the shoe on Saturday between two top 10 teams. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome, man. You summed it up better than I could because the, the spotlight is blinding uh, going into this week. And this spotlight has kind of moved around the country, you know, uh, the last many weeks. I mean, Ohio State at Notre Dame, uh, a battle of unbeatens. What was that, three, four weeks ago? Then Texas, Oklahoma, battle of unbeatens. Uh, Oklahoma emerges kind of a little bit of a surprise to some folks. Um, and then, of course, that classic, instant classic Washington and Oregon. Um, we'll, we'll get into Oregon and it's some of its decision-making by Dan Lanning, uh, the head coach there. But Washington pulls that out. Michael Penix Jr. becomes a superstar in the fourth quarter. And in my opinion, he's taking the lead in the Heisman Trophy race. We'll talk about that in a minute too. Uh, but then all of a sudden now, now the spotlight is definitely on the Big Ten, the first real matchup we've all been waiting for of this triumvirate that's at the top of the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, not necessarily in that order. Uh, you know, these leagues all cannibalize themselves, right, as the season goes on. You get all excited about all these all these unbeatens when you know, when you know there's Gonna, only going to be one unbeaten standing in any conference if that conference is is worth its salt at the end of the year, possibly. And uh, here you go. So Ohio State, Penn State, g- give everybody from your vantage point from the sporting news, you look at everything from above, you know, from 30,000 feet a lot. I, that's what I like about you. You kind of keep an eye on the national scene. Where does this one land on the national scene, in your opinion, from an important standpoint? Well, games like this are why I would argue against the 12-team playoff because why would you want to see this one twice? Yeah. It, it, the, the magnitude, the, ca- the, the casualty of losing, the, the fact that it is the fourth top 10 showdown of the year and you're dealing with the, the story that stood out in the Big Ten, Tim, and you've been around this longer than me. I mean, when is the last time we're at this point in the season and the top three scoring defenses in the country are Michigan, Penn State and Ohio State, and all yeah. three defenses are amazing. Um, yeah. Michigan probably, I mean, we could talk about them whenever, but 
they obviously haven't played that level of competition, but there's something to be said when you're just pounding people 52 to seven each week. And uh, Ohio State's defense has not given up big plays. For all of the talk about Ryan Day's rant about toughness and Lou Holtz and those things, to me, it was never about that. It's always been about the big plays. They're yeah. not, they're making teams work the score. And Purdue didn't do any of that over the weekend. And then Penn State, the, the third wheel, I think they're tired of being the third wheel. Yeah. This is their chance to show they're not the third wheel. Uh, defense is solid. They've got playmakers on, they've got a lot of NFL talent on this team. But the big question is, are they good enough to go into Columbus and win, which they haven't done since 2011. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, long, it's, these are the games you, you live to cover, and this is the uh, biggest Big Ten game to the, this point in the year. Exactly. And uh, bottom line is, no matter how we size them up, one of these two teams is not going to be undefeated after uh, Saturday, and they're both in the Big Ten East along with Michigan. So the uh, – you know, the, the, the game in hand uh, stat, you know, or the game in hand uh, cliche is going to stand up for, for one of these teams, uh, the rest of the, the rest of the big 10 season, or at least until the next week and stuff. So it is quite important as this thing goes along, who's going to play, who's going to represent the big 10 East in the last East West matchup uh, in, in the big 10 championship game. Cause of course, next year they're going away from divisions you know, I mean, the teams that put on that classic, instant classic on Saturday night, Washington and uh, Oregon are both going to be in the Big Ten next year. It's kind of a precursor of what's coming, right, from the West Coast. Hey, maybe a precursor of what's coming uh, from the West Coast when it when in, in regards to USC, too, which, you know, everybody was all worried about USC's uh, defense on Saturday night. But the problem was Caleb Williams threw, threw three of the worst interceptions you're ever going to see, and Notre Dame jumped out to that lead. And, and never looked back. So uh, this does look, in my opinion, like a, a two-team race in the in the Pac-12, the last year of the Pac-12. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah. And, I mean, USC will factor in it, but the big part here is for as good as that game was with Washington and Oregon. And yes. they may do it again, but Oregon State could get in the way. Uh, Utah yeah. could pick off somebody. Utah and USC play this week. USC could still theoretically bounce back. But, I mean, I, I think I saw what you saw, the two best teams in the Pac-12. Uh, Washington's phenomenal, the way they get up and down with Michael Penix. You talked about Dan Lanning's decision-making. I think there are two schools of thought with that. There are, there are some that say go for it, play the percentages. You want that, you'll stand by that decision and those kind of things. And, and Dan Lanning did say he was playing to win. I'm more of a – I think the last one – I would have punted the one at the end of the half. I'm taking the field goal. The first one, I might've went for it. So it, it has to be by feel. You, it can't be a, we're going to go every fourth down and we're not going to go every fourth down. I, you know, and, and they felt like that was the right decision. I still think I would have taken points at the end of the half in a game that, you know, is yes. probably going to be decided by a field goal. The yes. last one, I'm not as worried about the one at the end of the half, you take the points. You know, boy, if you make it on fourth and one or fourth down, whatever the fourth and, and whatever is, you look like a hero, but man, given giving away points, in my opinion, it's giving away points uh, in a game like that where points come back to haunt you. It was kind of like the Notre Dame-Ohio State game when both teams went for it on fourth and short, you know, down at the goal line, Ohio State did. And, you know, it puts you behind the eight ball the rest the, the rest of the game, in my opinion. I think you get points when you can get points in in these in these classic matchups and uh kind of kind of do the tote board at the end of the game. 
Now, you know, there are all kinds of examples of why that doesn't work, but there are all kinds of examples of why it does. So, I mean, that's why when you looked on uh, on Sunday, this this past Sunday, you know, you and I are recording this later than that. But uh, when I looked on it this past Sunday, when you saw the matchups uh, or you saw a power index, it still had Oregon ahead of Washington. Well, that's because Oregon offensively, statistically, uh, to a certain extent, moved the ball better, you know, more consistently than Washington did. But it didn't get it didn't have the points at the end of the night, you know, so in the computer's mind you know, it's still the better team, you know, by, 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 you know, by short shot instead of long shot, but, you know, you can see that, but, you know, now they've blown their shot. Now they're going to come back in the, in the PAC 12 championship game perhaps and re-grab this. And that's what the two best teams in the PAC 12 play each other at the end of the year, right? Not divisional, just like Texas and Oklahoma can have a rematch, right? In the big 12. So that's why it's different though, Tim, like, okay. Like there, those two, you just said it, Oregon and Washington very much may do that again. And, and yeah. Oklahoma, Texas may do that again. And that's why Penn State and Ohio State aren't going to. Yeah. Michigan and Ohio State aren't going to. Michigan and Penn State aren't going to. And that's why, again, I, if I was arguing, I, I've had this. You've met my editor, Bill Churchy. We had you on our podcast. I've argued with this over and over. He says they'll still be big games. But I was like, not quite as big. Yeah. Not, not quite as big when you know that the uh, – the other team, the team that loses, gets a mulligan, so to speak. So yeah. I, I think I think that's what makes this stage so huge. And not to mention, like you said, I didn't even think about it until you were talking, that Penn State, Ohio State won't be an every year thing anymore. Not in the new Big Ten setup. Right. Washington, you know, none of these teams will play every – you'll have your protected rivals. But, I mean, I'm 44, and I had 30 years of Penn State, Ohio State memories. This is a great Big Ten rivalry, <laughs> and I hate to see it not played every year. Yeah, I was gonna say you kind of came around to uh, to maturity about the t- time in 1993 when this thing started in the Big Ten, right? And uh, and uh, I'll never John forget Carter. Uh, yeah, like yeah, I'll never guys. forget Gordon yeah. Gee walking up and down the press box saying, "I want to see this in print." Uh, uh, John Cooper out coached uh, Joe Paterno, you know, on that snowy day in October. It was a strange day. Of course, the next year Ohio State went to Penn State and got beat 63 to 14 <laughs> in what I called the Black Sox scandal because. Uh, Ohio State football players wore all wore black socks and a sign of unity for something, and uh, and but then again there was another classic it happened to they played back to back games at Penn State uh, again in '95 and Ohio State pulled out a classic victory over there you know Bobby Hoying to uh, Ricky Dudley etc. and Terry Glenn jumping above uh, Joe Paterno's head and Eddie George having a good game so uh, you never know what's kind of kind of kind of happened and he said but it it's ridiculous. Bill, I will say it again. I don't know why I'm jumping subjects here. That that's not a that that is not a protected game going forward in the Big Ten. I think it's ridiculous. What's your what's your what's your take on that? Well, the sense I got at Big Ten Media Day is Penn State's not worried about it. You know, they they like this whole unrivaled label, which is a little bit annoying because the big 33 game I also grew up with the, the high school all-star game between PA and Ohio. These are two similar States in terms of following. I mean, obviously at the NFL level, Steelers, Bengals and Steelers Browns are fun games. And I, I why wouldn't you want that rivalry? I, I would actually say if they didn't protect Penn state, Michigan, that's fine. But Penn state, Ohio state's one that regardless of the schedule implications they should play every year. And, yeah. you know, you look at a year like this year where one of the leading storylines is 
Penn State's quarterback's an Ohio kid, and Ohio State's quarterback's a Pennsylvania kid, yeah. uh, along with Marvin, obviously. And both of these guys, what's impressed me about both is, you look at McCord and Aller, they have one interception between them. So you're asking both of these guys to play in this high-stakes game. Kyle's got one under his belt. The Notre Dame game was so I, – I can't remember the last time I was at a 17-14 game that felt like you were sitting like this the whole time, like yeah. on the edge of your chair, because every pass and every play mattered. And I really feel like this game could be like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, if I can take a time out here from Bill, uh, if you want to get in to the Ohio State-Penn State game – in Ohio Stadium uh, on Saturday, high noon is the kickoff time. Game time in the gametime.co, but the game time app might be your place to go uh, for that last minute ticket. You know, you've either put off buying a ticket or you're waiting to see what the ticket prices will do because, you know, right now it's basically a sellout. But right now I'm looking at the game time app and uh, the, the cheapest price right now in the game time app is Bill and I record this podcast is $239 per ticket. Uh, and that looks like a bargain based on some of the other sites. Uh, you know, GameTime.co, GameTime, the GameTime app are the places to go. It's the fastest growing uh, after aftermarket ticket uh, site in the country. And uh, as you well know, the guarantee, uh, if you find another ticket on another site, you know, let's say you pay $239 for this get-in price, as cheap as get-in price, and you find a, a ticket on another site in the same in the same row, the same general section, uh, game time will refund the difference of those two tickets by 110%. And that's a hell of a deal. And of course, if you use Buckeyes as a promo code, the Buckeyes promo code, when you download the game time app, your first purchase, you get $20 off that first purchase. And of course, terms apply to all of these uh, guarantees and these, uh, these money backs and these discounts. But the game time app, uh, and the, the game time app and gametime.co are proving to be the place to go when you need that last minute ticket, when you put it off, when you procrastinate it and you still want to get in. So uh, game time app and the gametime.co. And remember when you, when you download it and you use Buckeyes in the promo code Buckeyes, you'll get uh, $20 off your first purchase. So use that game time app, use the use gametime.co. If in fact you've put it off to get into anything, concerts, uh, racing events, but especially college football, because that's our Ballywick. GameTime.co, the GameTime app is a place to go. And Bill, I always go to you when I want a really good opinion. <laughs> uh, here's my opinion: You've gotten to watch Ohio State play. You, I'm sure you paid attention to the to the game at Purdue on Saturday when Ohio State pretty much took control, like Ryan Day wanted wanted the Buckeyes to do right from the start. Uh, end up winning 41 to seven. And it really wasn't even that close when you think about it. Uh, there have been questions about the offensive line for Ohio State. The defense, to this point, at 6-0, and in my opinion, is better than last year. You can, Like you just pointed out, it's one of the top three defenses in the country at, for the most important stat, points allowed, right? right. <laughs> Fewest points allowed. Uh, what is your take on Ohio State right now? We talked about a little bit about Penn State. I'll, we'll come back to them in a minute, but – What's your take on Ohio State from your 30,000 feet uh, perspective? Well, you're more like a high-flying drone over the field than 30,000 <laughs> feet. close enough. I, I yeah, because you, you, know. you do pay attention. That's what impresses me about you, my man. But what is your take? Is this is this Ohio State team truly the number three team in the country right now? 
Yeah, I think so. I don't, I think there's a school of thought right now that Georgia and Michigan have separated themselves a little bit. Now, Georgia, I think is their own. They're the king till somebody knocks them off. I know they had two first. Why is that? That's how I do it. I don't know that. And that's why Urban Meyer explains it. But why is it? Like, because they you you have to knock them off. I mean, I I, I don't know what Urban's ex- explanation is, but I think they're same the standard thing. until they lose. You've got to not. It's kind of like boxing to me. Like they've been the champ. You got to go in and knock the champ off. Some teams have given them a good swing. You know, Auburn yeah. and South Carolina did in the first round, and then uh, they just blew Kentucky out. Now Brock Bowers' injury is a thing. They're yes. not the same loaded roster they have, which brings me to Michigan, who. Hasn't played anybody. They, people, they haven't played anybody. Well, they're winning 45. They're destroying teams. Yeah. Their defense is nasty. They McCarthy is a difference maker. They're not running the ball like they were last year. It's a little bit different on the running game, though. It's not just a handoff to Blake Corum and Donovan and go from there. And I think Ohio State's in a decent position now because Michigan is getting more of the attention. This will probably, when they play in November, assuming the chalk wins out of be the first time Michigan be favored in that game since when? 2000. Long time ago. Long time. I mean, it's been a long yeah. time. So I think yeah. Ohio State can play off of that. Pre-COVID. <laughs> I, I was talking about McCord. And when you have three straight first-round Heisman Trophy caliber quarterbacks, I think there's a kind of a stigma on McCord that he doesn't deserve. He remind This team in some ways reminds me of the Craig Krenzel team. Like, McCord's a different quarterback than Krenzel. It's, it's 20 years later. It's football yeah. evolution. But he wins. He took care yeah. of business at Notre Dame. The defense reminds me of that defense a little bit. You've got some guys that are going to play in the league. Uh, JT and Jack Sawyer have turned it up a little bit. I saw them have a combine combined sack Saturday. Um, yeah. Defensive line is tough. They're not – and, again, it's not – to me, it's not about are they tough. I mean, are you going to go up to Cade Stover and say you're not tough? I, it's – they – are not having the breakdowns that they had in Jim Knowles' first season. I think they're playing more cohesive. And this is where we find out, though. Like, this is the game where you, you don't find that out against Purdue. You found it out against Notre Dame because Notre Dame didn't get the ball down the field on them and didn't run the ball effectively. Um, same deal here because Penn State has the two running backs, has the quarterback, has enough talent to test Ohio State, and they've answered every test so far. The Western Kentucky game – impressed me honestly because western kentucky scores points on everybody i know that sounds weird because ohio state should beat them but i thought western kentucky would score 20 plus points on them i did did. too yeah i'm with you i want to ask you this but you led me to the question that is puzzling me right now um who who's who has more to prove in this game on saturday ohio state and penn state it is penn state right because Penn State just except for except for that uh, you know back in what was that 2016, and they still didn't get, get invited to the uh, to the uh, college football playoff. Ohio State did. Uh, you know they haven't beaten Ohio State. So who has more to prove here to prove that they belong in this conversation of the elite of the Big Ten? Uh, you know because Penn State has been very close, but have they gotten to where they could be? considered on the Ohio State Michigan level now that Michigan has won two straight Big Ten championships no that's so there's way more pressure on Penn State here I think because of that record of 
four and fourteen for James Franklin against Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. Just one win against the Buckeyes, which was on a blocked field goal that I mean Ohio State could have won that game. The yeah. one that they lost. So yeah. um I think there's a tremendous amount of on Penn State here. And the four meetings with Ryan Day, average double digit victories. Remember last game, last year was tight. Yes. And then in the fourth quarter it was like whatever analogy you want to use, I always use like the turbo button. They had the turbo button that you stab on your video games and Penn state didn't. No, and, no. They had the two emolo out button. Yeah. That's what it was. They just, pressed there you that. Go. He, he pressed. Yeah. I'll, he help, I'll a, help you with all those things, Bill. <laughs> yeah, he had a dominant performance and I, <laughs> I yeah. And you know, last week, James Franklin made a couple of headlines for his press conference. I believe he was talking about conference scheduling and he, kind of dressed down a reporter a little bit and those are there's an edge right there's a little bit of an edge going on into this week so i'm wondering what the press conferences are like i'm guessing uh ryan day won't say much that is he's not going to come out and throw a bunch of bulletin board material out there this week i don't know what james franklin will say he's unpredictable so I, i think they'll just try to approach it top 10 game consequences all those things but no question penn state I think Penn State has much to, more to prove. The fallout would be more severe for Ohio State if they lost, though. Yeah, that's because a good way of putting it. Then yeah. we get back into the narratives that I don't think are fair, and, yeah. and that's what happens when you play as many as in as many top ten and top five games as Ryan Day's coached in. Yeah, yeah, you get back into where there are, there are people, and I've I even run into this with people who claim to be Ohio State fans who sit around a lot with a bag full of rocks and just waiting for the moment when they can throw the rocks. And, uh, you know, I was going to make a euphemism there, but I don't want to get kicked off the airwaves, even though this is a a podcast. But, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, they claim to be Ohio State fans, but they find every wart, every wrinkle, every everything you can criticize and it's not good enough. And I, I keep throwing this out there. When did Ohio state, when did it become the birthright of Ohio state fans to have national championship teams time after time, after time, when you look back through history, you know, I mean, you should be so grateful that you're rooting for a program that's in the running. You know what I mean? Because you could be, uh, about 95 other places, 100 other places where that is not the case. And uh, But I know that's not good enough. I understand it's not good enough. It's not good enough for Ryan Day, really. I mean, he wants to win every football game. So we'll see if they get close to that. But, boy, a battle of unbeatens. Somebody's going to get beat on Saturday, and somebody's going to be feeling really good, and somebody's not. I wanted to ask you this. Who has the advantage at quarterback going into this game? Is it Drew Aller in Penn State, or is it Cal McCord in Ohio State? I think Ohio State does slight advantage because Kyle McCord was in the Notre Dame game. Yeah. If it makes sense that way. I mean, makes sense. Had to do it. He had to do it. Had to win that game. And I go back to, I know what we all wrote about after that game in the press conference. We all wrote about Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. And I'm not, we don't have to go through that again. No. I remember sitting in that press conference really tight one at Notre Dame by the way <laughs> yeah and I when Kyle McCord came in I looked at him and this big like just ripped hole in his arm and I'm thinking that, that has to hurt yeah and but I'm thinking this is the guy he doesn't look like your first round quarterback 
He does. He looks like just a, a tough kid. They went in there, the third down throw, the fourth down, the third down throw. He made those plays. Drew Aller's probably when if they both got off the bus and you were like, which one's the NFL prospect? You'd probably say Drew Aller, six five, Dinah kid, another Ohio kid, big arm, all the tools. Hasn't been really cut loose in a game like this yet. I know he played. I don't think he played against Ohio State last year. I know he played against Michigan in garbage time. So yeah. this is his first introduction to those games. And uh, same with Kyle McCord. I mean, he hasn't really played in these games yet. So you never know. But I think it's a toss-up in some ways, too. And like I said, both of them, Kyle McCord's only thrown one interception halfway through the season. Yeah, Drew Aller hasn't thrown one yet. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a first-time starter. And going to go against these defenses, I think it comes down to, when it's third and eight or third and nine, which one of these guys is going to be able to make a throw? And some of that is on who you got. So Drew Aller it's doesn't a, have Marvin Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Kyle McCord does. Like, if it's third to ten, you can just dial up something. Just throw it to Marvin. And, yeah. And, hey, uh, real quick. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that, no that's, that's it. That's good. Uh, I want to ask you real quick. Dallin Hayden did a Dallin Hayden thing on Saturday. You know, they were, they're trying to Richard him because they're going to probably the top the, – the three guys uh, – uh, I don't know if ahead of him is the right term, but the three guys that have been playing, you know, all were banged up. Obviously, you saw uh, Chip Trainum get banged up in in the game, and they had to put Dallin Hayden in there. But they they want Dallin Hayden back for sure next year if they can. You know, he's going to come back because he'll only be a third year player. But they want him to kind of lead that group that that those three young running backs are going to be coming in. You know, they want a kind of a leader in that room because the other three guys could be gone. You know, after this year, uh, but. You you saw a spark. I mean, you know, you got to see, you know, you got to watch him play against Maryland last year. And then uh, all of a sudden Chip Trainum started the Michigan game. And 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 then all of a sudden Dallin Hayden had to play a lot in the game against Georgia because guys were banged up. Uh, Trayvon Henderson was out. Uh, Mike Williams got banged. Mike Williams got banged up and stuff. But just what's your take on Dallin Hayden? What the little bit you got to see on Saturday again? Because he did deliver a spark. Suddenly it looked like the offensive line was creating holes, right? <laughs> well, seven yards per carry. And it yeah. was five yards per carry last year. And I honestly thought he would play a larger role in the Michigan game last year after what we saw against Maryland yeah. and what we saw against Indiana. And you see how he hits the hole, and it's a little bit of different style. No no disrespect to the other running backs in the room, but, I mean, Travion's been beat up. Chip Trainum is a different style running back. Mine, you don't have Mayan Williams on top of it. And – I think he's just a different change of pace that works in that scheme. And yeah. you see that. So I think hopefully they keep that whatever decision they reach, it's not a bad idea. I mean, I look at one of the things I look at with running backs and it's a simple statistic is if you're over five yards of carry at the college level, that's pretty good. Some of these guys get over six, then they're, they're darn good. And you know, anytime you're over seven, which he was on Saturday, and sometimes that's the product of one run or two, but uh, this guy's getting the, getting the ball and taking advantage of his opportunities. I think they should give him the ball more. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bender says, forget the red shirt, um, <laughs> put this guy in the uh, fire suit, fire suit and get him in there. Right. Like a race car driver. Hey, before we go, I don't know if you're allowed to do this from the, well, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to have an opinion mm-hmm. at the sporting news. What would be your pecking order right now? And this is coming out of left field, but what would be your pecking order? Or maybe who would be, your Heisman Trophy front runner right now. Mine, I'm going to jump right out there. Mine is Michael Penix Jr. Who's yours? Yeah, I mean, I think so. That's probably the betting favorite, and he got the big win, and he's obviously an experienced quarterback, left-hander. I always love the left-handers. And, uh, yeah, touch. He's in charge of the 
most efficient offense in the country right now. And I think you mentioned Caleb Williams earlier. The fact that Caleb fell flat Saturday might, might have, I mean, that's how this award works. It's so fickle. I mean, we can move on to the next guy very quickly. So Michael Penix is the favorite now. That's pretty wide open in some ways because oh, yeah. he moves the game. And, and then do we go Marvin Harrison? Do we just suddenly really realize, hey, that's the best player in the country? Or do we go Brock Bowers? McCarthy? Oh, Brock Bowers. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy. Brock Bowers, best J.J. McCarthy that if Michigan wins it. And you know who else? Or is it? Bo Nix. I mean. Another one. He's great. I mean, they're, and all of those guys are – I mean, Quinn Ewers was the favorite three weeks ago. Yeah. So, and if you went just off stats, and, and Bill, my editor, will tell you the same thing. Like, a lot of people like Jaden Daniels, which is crazy because they've lost two games. But you look at his statistics and between running and passing and all those points LSU scores, he'll have a chance too. So oh, yeah. I, I'm with you. If I was voting today and I have a vote, it, it would be Michael Penix. But um, a long way to go on that one. And yeah. I, I feel like this one could get a little weird. But you know what? If Caleb doesn't win it, I, I love the trivia piece and everybody around here knows it. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool yeah. that Archie's the only two-time winner. Yeah, I guarantee you Archie was rooting for Notre Dame's defense as hard as he could on Saturday night. I guarantee <laughs> it, you know, and because, uh, you know, it is kind of cool being the icon, you know, the one of a kind. And uh, but, uh, you know, Drake May is also a guy I've got my eye on just, you know, a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina keeps figuring stuff out, you know, so we'll see where that goes. But but it is interesting. Caleb Williams wins it lo- after losing two games last year, you know, to, to Utah. Right. And which kept him out of the college football playoff. Uh, now, like you did, like you pointed out earlier, Michael Penix and Washington uh, have to run the rest of the gauntlet of the Pac-12. Uh, and then Jaden Daniels, you know, you know, they're giving up. They're not going. They're not going to be in the college football playoff. But there's something. He's kind of like the, in my opinion, sort of the Caleb Williams of this season because he still right. gets your attention, right? Despite the team's right. foibles, and I think it's going to be a very interesting November in the Heisman Trophy race. I think, yeah, that's what you just said pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and it's wide open in some ways, and I think it'll be a lot of fun seeing it play out, much like this playoff race. I mean, I know I mentioned Georgia earlier, and would love to, next time you have Urban on, I'm going to listen to see what his take would be, but I don't feel like the I did the last couple years where I was like, Georgia's better than everybody else. And I know Ohio State played them to the limit and, and nearly won the game. and those Legit, were the best legit played them to the them. limit. Yeah. Right. Like, but Ohio State's one of the few teams with enough talent to do that. So I I don't feel that way about them this year. I, I feel like Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, maybe Florida State, all are national championship contenders. Yeah. And I and, and I and Alabama's still alive. Like they're not this is Halloween season. They're not dead yet. And um all the way down to them, I'm like, and you just mentioned North Carolina. That's Mac's best team. Yeah, they got a running game. They got a defense. They got an NFL quarterback running the show. So yeah, I I love it. And again, argument against the twelve team playoff because this is the twelve team playoff. These are yeah. the teams, and and we this is why we sort it out this way. So it's going to be a lot of fun. The second half of the season is going to be great. And what a way to start it off in Columbus uh, with with is it game day and big noon kickoff. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be hey. get there early. My pregame show, I'm on with a uh, with a 97.1, the fan. You know, we've got a little spot there on the midway, as I call it. You know, we'll probably get shoved uh, way down back toward the street. But, uh, 
you know, a lot of people still listen to our pregame show because we we throw the info out there also, and it's all about Ohio State and Penn State for the most part. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, dueling dueling uh, pregame shows. Uh, you know, who knows what time the fans will get there? Probably five o'clock. You if you're coming, you better get you know better get there early to make sure you don't just get in a huge traffic jam on High Street getting to your uh, parking spot, right? Right. Yeah. So I always get there early as well. You know, you know me, I'm, I'm a really press box guy and like getting set up and it's going to be fun, Tim. And, yeah. I, and if I give I you it. like my, my early read on it is, and I do my picks early for sporting news in the week, but they, they could change a little bit. 11 and a half or four and a half point spread. Last four meetings, the Ohio State's won by 11 and a half. That means Vegas is giving you that touchdown. They're daring you with it because they think Ohio State's going to win, obviously. So I, I got it at a touch. I'm going to split the difference. I think I had Ohio State 28, Penn State 21. Wow. And I don't know that this one will get into 30s because of those defense. Uh, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, they could test each other. It could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, you're in real quick. You know, Penn State, uh, uh, I think a week uh, last week was a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite, and it dropped over the weekend to five, you know, and it's going to probably going to, to like you said, five-and-a-half to four-and-a-half. That means Penn State people really like getting points, right? <laughs> I mean, they've covered every week, and they've yeah. done it. They've done it with late covers, and yeah, that's been a source of you know when you do these picks like I do. So I do them every week for us, Tim. I was telling my son this today. I was like, first week of the season, I think I went like five and fourteen. It was terrible, and I've spent every week grinding. I'm like, I'm gonna get back to five hundred. I'm gonna get back to five hundred. I'm over five hundred now, and now I'm like scared because i was like i don't want to be below 500 yeah. so hopefully we get these picks right this week and uh yeah can i pick the mismatches please this week well, hey, said, hey we're quick we're quick for you go though just for the record who did you have washington and oregon who'd you have i had it by i had washington covering by three three and a half so i i think the spread ended up being a push so you take a tie yeah. there i i had them or no i had them covering but i think you get a push when they win by three so in these top 10 games, if you want to trust the track record, I had Ohio State beating Notre Dame. I had Washington winning. I had LSU beating Florida State, though. In that Did you have Notre point. Dame winning uh, on this past Saturday night over USC? No, but you know what? I I hate, I, lines like that. I hate lines like that where USC was favored when I – or Notre Dame was favored, and I thought USC was going to win. And whenever I think that, like, oh, well, the Irish are at home. That's why they're doing it. And their defense was – that's a good Notre Dame football team. Yeah. You know? Like, we can get beyond all the – had they, they – they just played Louisville in the wrong week. They, yes. They, like, having to do that week after week. They could have used a, a Western Michigan in there. No no disrespect to them, but uh, you know what I mean. They, they could have yeah. used one of those in between. Oh, yeah. And uh, Louisville, meanwhile, the next the, – the past weekend got pit on the wrong week. <laughs> right. I yeah, mean – that's you know, football just when everybody's wild. talking, next TCU is going to be Louisville this year, you know, oof, that blows up. Hey, Bill Bender, man, I always enjoy, I always join when you join me in the cockpit of the, uh, of the Tim May show, man, you do a great job over there when I let you fly this thing. And uh, I'm going to let you do uh, aerobatics the next time you show up. Are you all for it? <laughs> oh, whatever you need, man, Tim. I love coming on your show. I enjoy listening to you. I can't wait to see you Saturday. We'll uh, both be there early. And I think we're going to be a, uh, Treat it to a pretty good one. I agree. It has all the makings. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, the Tim May Show, we'll see you then.